welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church. And in spite of joy to the world, it is not Christmas. It, this is this is Trinity Sunday. It is Christmas every day of the year. Yes, That's, I could just feel you saying that over there. Especially if you're visiting us, we're so glad that you're here with us today. There is a friendship pad in each one of the rows. It should be near the center aisle. It's a black folder. We'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know that you're here with us today, whether you're a regular or whether you're visiting with us. And pass it down the, uh, the row so other people can do the same. There is inside the bulletin an announcement sheet, our connections. And you'll see that this afternoon, the group in black is performing at 5 o'clock today. We have a wonderful concert from our choir and our bell choir. And you will hear just a snatch of some of what they're going to do tonight in the service this morning. Also at 4 o'clock, just before that, there's an ice cream social hosted by the deacons over in Tankersley Hall. So come and have some dessert and then come and enjoy ice cream. It's going to be gospel and jazz. It's going to be a fun concert. Hope you can be here. Uh, also, you'll see that two weeks from last night, we are having a family fun night, and there's all sorts of things going on. Pizza, pulled pork, all sorts of fun that evening. Jerry's trip to Israel is going to be May 2017. Those of you who came to the information meeting about that last week know that he recommended that you read a book, Jesus, a Pilgrimage, in preparation for that trip if you're going to go on it. That book is available on the patio today if you'd like to get a copy. You don't have to be planning to go on the trip to get it, but it would be nice to let those people get it first if you could. We do have a women's Bible study too that is continuing to sign people up. It started last week, but there's still room for you to be part of it on Wednesday morning, led by Judy Bell. And you can see that our children are signing up for their summer activities uh, for eight, uh, Camp H2O and for Vacation Bible School. You can do that online. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, our Father dwelling in majesty and mystery, renewing and fulfilling creation by your eternal spirit, and revealing your glory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Fill us with joy this morning as we come to worship you with your Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, living and reigning now and forever. Amen. Please join me for a call to worship. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears, and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord rescues them from them all. He keeps all their bones, not one of them will be broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Let us stand and worship the Lord together. Mm -hmm. 
eternal God, unchanging, mysterious, and unknown. Jesus calls us to confession. God blesses those who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is given to them. But, but we, we have been, been proud in spirit, inflated with pride in our own self-sufficiency. 
we have forgotten how needy we are. God blesses those who are gentle and lowly, for the whole earth will be their inheritance. But we, but we have, have valued toughness over gentleness. gentleness. We, we have too often chosen to be concerned with ourselves rather than with our brothers and sisters and neighbors. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. But we, but we have, have defiled our hearts with idols of our own choosing, doubting that God will keep His word and His promises. We continually compromise the truth by trying to find meaning and security in our jobs, our friends, our pleasures, our projects, but not in God. God blesses those who are persecuted because they live for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. But we, but have, we have too often retreated from, from the disapproval of others. We, have we sought to please the world rather than risking the disapproval of those who need the Messiah. We regard rejection for righteousness as a burden to be borne rather than an honor to be humbly received. In silence, we offer up our personal confession. Hear the words of the Apostle Paul. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. When you cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with, Christ in, with God in Christ. By the power of the Spirit, we are forgiven. Thanks, Thanks be, be to the, the triune God. God. Amen. Amen.
that tonight at 5 o'clock. Hope you'll join us. Our scripture reading this morning is in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. We begin reading with verse 12. Hear the word of God. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated. But in your heart, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Two weeks ago, I was in San Francisco for a few days with my sister. We take an annual sister trip, or at least we try to. We are friends, but we do this annual trip so that we can connect as friends and continue to work on our friendship. Because you see, we are very, very different people. I am five years older, and when I left home to go to college, my sister was only 13. So I didn't ever really know her as an adult. So it has been a bit of a journey to reconnect and get to know one another. We are different in the paths that our lives have taken. Uh, we have married men who are very different from one another. We do different work. We even dress differently. We live in very different places. She is rural, I'm suburban. We have different politics, and we have different fears. We are both Christians raised in the Baptist church, but we have ended up in churches that are very, very different from one another. We have different ways that we approach scripture. I wouldn't want her life, and she wouldn't want mine. But we can have a good time together without trying to change one another, especially if we don't talk about the things that are the big differences between us. Well, this year I went to San Francisco and I think she went to San Francisco, both with a lot of fear about what could happen. Because you see, this year we are in a deep disagreement 
about something in the family, about a decision that she and her husband have made uh, that is not a decision that I would have made. And it has the potential to blow us apart. It had the potential for us to never even talk to one another again. We come at it with very, very different worldviews. We even have different Bible stories that inform us about why that decision should be made the way it should be made. Now, of course, I'm right. <laughs> and you see, that's the trouble because that self-righteousness is just right there, just ready to cross the line and to tell the other one how wrong that they are. We had emailed about it. We had not talked in person. Uh, but we really needed to do that. And my hope was, okay, my hope was really to change her mind, but my hope was that realistically, probably, the best we could do is that we could come to a point of understanding one another and not trying to change one another's minds. But of course, the underlying fear was, for both of us, that we couldn't talk about it and still remain friends. More about that story at the end of the sermon. We all have our fears, don't we? We were talking in the prayer room this morning about fears, about the different fears it seems like we have at different times of our lives. So often we're afraid of what other people think of us. We're afraid that we'll look foolish. We're afraid of being vulnerable in front of other people. If I tell you who I really am, maybe you won't like me anymore. We're afraid of failing. We're afraid of what aging might bring. That maybe that little memory glitch is a little something else. Or that maybe that symptom, that lump, really means something else. The nation itself is in a fearful place this year, isn't it? I have never seen such a fearful election. I talk to so many people who say that the reason they're going to vote the way they're going to vote on both sides of the aisle is not so much because they like their candidate, but because they're so afraid of the candidate on the other side. <laughs> and the nation, the, the world is in that kind of place too, isn't it? With the instability of nations, with terrorism, it is a fearful time. What are you afraid of? Have you thought about that? Is there something that wakes you up at night because you are so afraid? Maybe some of you came to church today afraid that nobody would talk to you. Or maybe some of you came afraid that somebody would talk to you. For our book talk group, um, the book that we're going to discuss in July is The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. It is a book about uh, World War II, about occupied France. And I've been reading it, and I'm, I'm just so uh, in touch with the, the level of terror that daily life must have been during that time, during World War II, with Nazis occupying your very little town that you lived in. Perhaps it's because I've been reading that that I was so taken with an article that I read this week in Christianity Today about a sermon that Dietrich Bonhoeffer preached. He preached it in Germany, in Berlin, in January 1933. 
fearful times in Germany. Defeat of World War I just 14 years before, the fall of the stock market, the economy of Germany was a mess. There were more than six million people out of work. They feared communism. They feared what the future could bring. And 15 days after Bonhoeffer preached this sermon, Hitler became the chancellor of Germany. Fearful times. Bonhoeffer's sermon was overcoming fear. And he talked about that time when Jesus and his disciples were in a storm in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. That's the way he describes it. There he says there is a ship on the high seas, and the ship is being blown about by the storm. The storm is blowing harder and harder, and the ship is so small, it's just like a toy in the midst of the ocean. The sky is dark, and the sailor's strength is failing. One of the sailors is gripped by something, by someone. Suddenly he can't think, he can't move. He's just overwhelmed. He can't even row. And he cries out in desperation, what is that? Who's in the boat? And the answer comes, fear is in the boat. I am here. It is fear that is with you. All hope is lost. Bonhoeffer says, Fear is in the boat, in Germany, in the church, right here in each one of our hearts. What does that fear do to us? It seems like it strangles us, like we can't even think straight. It sort of hollows out our insides, doesn't it? Kind of breaks our resistance and distorts the way we think. It even distorts our judgment. The final triumph of fear over us is that we're so afraid that we can't even run away from the fear. The fear has us in its grip. Bonhoeffer asks, why are you afraid? Christ is in the boat. When Christ is in the boat, a storm always comes up because the evil powers want to overcome Jesus and his disciples and destroy them. Peter had been in that boat with Jesus that day on the Sea of Galilee when that storm came up. He was there when it seemed like the boat was going to be swamped, and the disciples cried out to Jesus, who was asleep, Lord, don't you care that we are perishing? Indeed, Lord, don't you care? about the things that I am afraid of. And Jesus had been so, uh, Peter had been so shaped by the way Jesus responded because Jesus woke up and took charge and calmed that storm. Peter speaks from experience when he says, the eyes of the Lord are on you. He sees what you're going through. He listens when you call out to him. And Peter writes to Christians who have a particular fear because they are in the path of persecution that is coming their way. In fact, as Bonhoeffer said, the evil forces are going to do all they can to destroy Jesus 
and to destroy his church. Peter asks in the text, who will harm you for doing good? Well, lots of people will. I mean, it's a rhetorical question, isn't it? If your conscience is being formed by God's spirit in the ways of his kingdom, you're not going to be in sync with all your neighbors, are you? I mean, maybe the spirit has prompted you to be honest, too honest, perhaps, for your friends. Maybe you've extended some grace in a way that other people think you're crazy to do that. Maybe you're trying to change, maybe a habit, maybe an addiction. And some of your friends would just assume that you would change back. I think that Disney knew what he was doing when he portrayed conscience as a cricket. Because after all, how can you be too upset about the proddings of your conscience if it's just a cute little cricket? But too often, we don't pay any attention to the chirps, do we? We kind of want to let the conscience just have a nap over there. Don't let your conscience get rusty. Keep listening to the chirps that are there. They're really the spirit speaking to you through your conscience. And if you do let the, your, your conscience form the ways that you act, people won't understand. In fact, some of them may try to talk you out of it. If they give you flack, it's so easy to just come right back with the very same flack, isn't it? Instead, can you respond with grace? Can you respond differently? That's what Peter says to do, to be gentle when you respond to people. And there's that very fine line between what your conscience says and the self-righteousness that so wants to take over and prove that you're really the one who's right. But Peter says, don't give people a reason for hostility toward you. When you do explain yourself and the choices that you're making, can you talk honestly about how following Jesus has made, helped you make those choices? Have you ever thought it through so you know how you would talk about that if you tried to explain that to somebody? We're so fearful about what other people might think of us, aren't we? Peter knows that sort of intimidation, remember? The night when Jesus was arrested, Peter was in that courtyard, and that little servant girl asked him if he was one of Jesus' followers. Peter was way too afraid to identify himself with Jesus. And now he says, be bold. But be gentle, too. Christ is in this boat, too. It is better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Well, if we had our choice, we wouldn't suffer one way or the other, would we? It's one of those larger-than-life better than sayings that Jesus did a fair bit. Jesus said, it is better to pluck out your eye than to go into hell all in one piece. It is better that you had never been born than that you would betray the Son of Man. That's what the proverb-sounding 
thing was at the beginning of the scripture that I read. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The face of the Lord is against those who are evil. It is better to be one of God's people who might suffer now than to be part of the evil one who will surely suffer later on. It is better now to suffer at the hands of other people for doing good than to someday suffer at God's hand for doing wrong. It's a long view. It's that the apparent victories of this world very likely might not be the final victories that will be won. Because the final victories in God's hand and he sees what's happening to you. You will not be put to shame, but your persecutors will, if you have any persecutors, on the day that they have to give an accounting of themselves before God. Jesus is the example. He suffered for doing good. And in his death and resurrection, he defeated all those other powers, all those other forces of evil. The Father vindicated him and exalted him as Lord over all. It is the hope that informs all of the book of 1 Peter that Christ's resurrection and ascension to rule over all things are the guarantee of the victory of his people and of his kingdom. He's the one in the boat. It's not the strength of your faith that carries you through your fears. It's the strength of the Lord who reigns over all of those powers. And that brings me back to the story of my sister. So when we were in San Francisco, the last night that we were there, uh, we had not yet talked about our issue. We'd had a really good time together, though. And uh, I had already planned to go to Evensong at... Grace Cathedral, that giant Episcopal cathedral that's up on top of Knob Hill. We were staying right across the street from it. And even song is a 45-minute sung liturgy service, um, men's choir, boys' choir. It's a, usually so few people attend in this giant cathedral that they invite the people attending to come up and sit with the choir. Um, now, the choir doesn't sit like this there, they sit facing one another. It's a divided choir, like a long time ago. You remember our sanctuary used to be facing one another. I was late, and I sort of slipped in, and I sat right next to the second bases with their voices that were so rumbly that they were shaking that great stone cathedral every time they sang. As part of a... It was, I forgot to tell you, it was Ascension Day, the day that we celebrate that Christ was ascended back into heaven. And as part of that liturgy, they sang, Christ has gone up with a shout. He is seated as ruler over all. And they shook that whole building. And it was the words, no, it was more than the words that gave me the courage to realize that he is bigger than the issues that my sister and I have between, our, between one another. It gave me courage to bring it up. It gave us courage to talk about it without going too far into self-righteousness on either side. 
I understand her position. I don't agree. I didn't try to change her, and she didn't try to change me. And we agreed that we will never let this or anything else divide us in our friendship together. Thanks be to God. Let us stand and affirm our faith together. The words of Romans 8. If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is, it is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised, who, who is at, at the right, right hand of God, who, who indeed intercedes for us, who, who will separate us from the love of Christ, who will hardship or distress or persecution, persecution or, or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God. He is in the boat. Let us be seated and bring to the Lord our morning offering. of what I 
Let us pray. Father, all good things come from you. And with gratitude, we return to you what is yours. You created all that is and with love formed us, each and every one of us, in your image. And when our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. As our Creator, we trust that you hold the destiny of the nations in your hands. And we pray for our own country. Inspire our leaders and our future leaders to first seek goodness and righteousness, that order, liberty, and peace may dwell with your people. We pray for all the nations. Take away the mistrust and deep-seated hatred that divides and increase in all peoples the recognition that we are all created in your image. We especially lift up the families of those lost in the Egyptian airliner tragedy this week. We pray that you would bring comfort and hope, and may their support groups surround them with love and strength. And as your church, may your Holy Spirit give us a heart to love and to serve you. Enable us to show our thankfulness for all your goodness and mercy by giving up ourselves to your service and cheerfully submitting all things to your blessed will through Jesus Christ our Lord the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Church, rejoice, the Lord is King. The music this morning is found on your music insert, and we'll sing all four verses. this afternoon at four for ice cream and at five for a lot of wonderful, wonderful music. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. He is in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> 